we give it a nudge, crank it over, and here we go again. As long as we're on the downhill run, we can get this thing going. It's called the Midday Program on the Rural Radio Network. I just shoved Bob. I didn't give him a nudge. No. Good job. He's in the middle. He's in the middle. <laughs> hey, we were in black. You guys didn't get the memo. Dark oh, blue. Well... That's very sharp, though. I will say that. Should have wore it yesterday for the eclipse. Might have done that, yeah. Been lost. Did everyone get all the eclipse that you needed, by the way? I totality got it all the uh, eclipse that I needed. Right. <laughs> Not even going to touch it. Former host here, Dave <laughs> Thorell, has started a committee which is going to take a proposal to Congress. Okay. And, and see if we can get this thing scheduled annually mm. and maybe extend it oh. to 10 minutes. I would be I like good. That. Would that be? I, I'm good with that because I thought it was way too short. I, I I was just getting into it and it was over. <laughs> the thing I like best, the thing most memorable to me, was, of course, I, you know, I kind of ran out there at the last second, and it was it was already t- in totality when mm-hmm. I got there. I just looked up and it was like you know, stark uh, shock. Uh, yeah. But then when that when it, when the sun first peeked out, and you had that almost looked like a cosmic searchlight. Mm-hmm. That's the diamond ring. Down. Yeah. It was very cool. Just crazy. It was yeah. cool. Yeah, it was yeah. very neat. Everyone Although, should do that at least once. I, I'm okay with not hearing the word totality again for a little <laughs> while. that too. Okay. Well, here is uh, our ag headline guy in his totality. <laughs> uh, totality will not use that again. So gangrish. Yeah. I wanted to postpone it till Friday because it actually worked better in my schedule, but mm. nobody would oh, listen. Local FFA leader implementing curriculum for use in classrooms utilizing soybeans. We'll hear about that in Ag News at 12.13. At 12.19, Dewey Nelson joined by Jason Ladman, director at Water Street Solutions. Their topic is growing the farm at the right time, of course. Newsmaker Susan Littlefield talks with uh, the group at Grupo Gramosa in Mexico. They'll talk about the importance of NAFTA and how it affects their feed operation there. This is from the U.S. Grains Council trip she took a couple of weeks ago, so we'll get NAFTA from a Mexico perspective. And then at 117, Shaley Peters with Becky Cheney, pride of the Prairie 4-H club leader, discussing their send-off happening at the club today. Uh, five Elwood area veterans will head to Fort Riley to serve veterans alongside the All-American Beef Battalion. They are leaving today. So uh, she'll talk with uh, Becky and get more on that special trip down to Fort Riley, Kansas. That sounds forceful. Beef Battalion. Yeah. yeah. I like it. It's kind of cool. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And with the sports in its totality, Scott Foster. <laughs> Jeez. Well, the, here's the good news. Uh, for many years, we ha- high school football is about to start. That was the good news, by the yes. way. But for many years, we've had uh, a week zero game. And no week zero, not very many week zero games. Most everybody kicks off this friday so that's kind of right. cool i like that a lot nice. so jason will be uh, we're gonna look at caleb lightburn a little bit uh, he's hoping to have a bounce back year of course forced into play last year because of the death of sam fultz yeah. he was up and down he had mm-hmm. some uh, not so good and had some good ones so he's hoping to get better there broncos have announced their starting quarterback will be trevor simeon from uh, northwestern he's going to start for them and uh Royals will be hosting uh, the Rockies. All right. And now Bob Brogan in his totality. Stocks move a little bit higher on Wall Street, and we're watching that. Also, uh, Trump rebuffs coal industry. CEO claims promise broken. What? Totality broken. (laughs) That's it. I believe it. It's all coming your way today on Midday.
Well, uh, well, uh, well, I got to tell you, I uh, really did enjoy the eclipse uh, that you brought us yesterday, Mr. Weatherman. Uh, I, I, yeah, <laughs> I'll take all kinds of responsibility for that, for, Astro- for the parting of the clouds so we could see it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Astro weather yesterday, and he uh, knocked it out of the park for us. Paul Perkins is back here with our ag weather, brought to you by Coleman Repair. The only complaint I have is uh-huh. that w- with the moon having gone over the sun, my, my tan has a hole in it. Uh, so, <laughs> so your post eclipse tan is uh, not very too well. Yeah, it's well, it's it, you know, it, it's it's good except for that one spot. I'm going to have to have a spray tan in that little circle there. There you go. All right. Yeah, some, yeah go ahead. Paul. Yeah, some heavy rain in portions of eastern Kansas on into Kansas City in the overnight. They have reports of ten inches of rain in parts of Kansas City, and we've seen reports of. 16 cases of people having to be rescued from their housetops. Whoa. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine that? Yeah. And That's we, like old movie style stuff. It really see. is. Yeah. And uh, we were talking with, uh, with Laddie earlier, uh-huh. uh, who lives just outside Kansas City. He had seven inches right in his rain gauge. Yeah. Uh, one of the highest Kansas totals we saw was 8.3 inches in Wellesley, Kansas, just to the southeast of Lawrence. Oh. But yeah, upwards of around 9 to 10 inches in Kansas City Metro. Wow. Yeah. Right. Uh, can you imagine all of that at once? Uh, Quite a different picture for our weather story here. Today, sunny and cooler with some drier air as high pressure is pushing in from the north. Some light winds, dry air, and clear skies tonight will allow for some rapid cooling. And we may see even a few areas tonight that cool into the 40s. We saw several instances of that in the Nebraska Panhandle, including as low as 43 last night in Alliance. Some high pressure overhead for tonight, or for tomorrow, will keep it sunny and dry. With the high-pressure ridge setting up to our west for Thursday into Saturday, we'll be in a northwesterly flow on the outer edges of that upper ridge of high pressure. That will allow multiple disturbances with thunderstorm chances to come right down the pike at us. Not expecting severe weather, the best chances of those thunderstorms arriving for Thursday night through Friday night. And temperatures look to be about seasonal to just cooler than normal as we head into the early part of the weekend. High pressure drops in early next week. That will clear the skies out for some mainly dry weather and temperatures right near seasonal to maybe just a few degrees below that. In the long-term forecast, Nebraska and Kansas temperatures forecast to be mostly cooler than normal Sunday through the first four days of September. So if you're headed to the State Fair, that should be good weather for that. Daytime highs in central Nebraska in late August and early September usually average in the low 80s with overnight lows mostly in the upper 50s. So we'll just be below that. The precipitation outlook expecting below normal rainfall in Nebraska and Kansas Sunday through September 4th. Your weather factors driving market trade include cool weather in the central U.S. and attention-grabbing cooling of colder air in the northern part of Canada. Thunderstorms will become more prevalent over the southeast U.S. the next few days as a cold front advances towards the Gulf Coast. Milder, drier weather will prevail throughout much of the Midwest in the wake of that front. Below normal temperatures in the Midwest the rest of the week looking to slow down the crop progress, and that has some concern about the potential for frost damage at the end of the season. The drought-affected northern plains will see very little in the way of meaningful rain this next week. Farther north in the Canadian prairies, they are watching a developing colder pool of air in northern Canada. It's going to be watched closely for the chance of some frost in the Canadian prairies later in the week. Varying amounts of rain will fall in the southern plains over the next few days. Heavy rains from what's left of Tropical Storm Harvey may fall in the far southern sectors. In much of Ukraine and Russia, the last two weeks, it's been above to well above normal on the temperatures with very little rain, and that may make the soybeans there susceptible to stress.
You know, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, uh-huh. but the idea that still, you know, I, rem- I remember the big ones, Hur- Hurricane Carla. And uh-huh. her- I still can't get to the idea of a tropical storm <laughs> Harvey, Harvey. <laughs> or a Hurricane Clarence. And they, they went right by Hurricane Dirk there. <laughs> they did. I, and I don't know how they got to have you know, I'm, I'm, maybe I'll give that also to the Thoreau Committee and have them look into that. Yeah, he's always looking into these questions. Yes, yes. And he's got quite a lot of pull in, in Washington, too. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, a quick reminder for you that uh, our ag weather is brought to you by Coleman Repair. And when you need weather anytime, go to krvn.com. Here's an update of Ag News. I'm Joe Gangwish on the Rural Radio Network. All five members of Nebraska's congressional delegation will take part in an upcoming Farm Bill listening session that's going to be hosted by several Nebraska ag organizations. The Nebraska Ag Farm Bill listening session will be Friday, September 1st during the Nebraska State Fair at the Bosselman Center at the Nebraska State Fairgrounds in Grand Island. That event will be open to the public. It's scheduled from 10 to noon on September 1st with remarks from the members of the delegation and inviting testimony and proceeding an audience question and answer session. That will begin at 1130. Rural Radio Network will have coverage from that event for you here on your local RRN station. Well, the Nebraska 4-H Club and five veterans are headed south today to serve alongside the American, or the, it's called the All-American Beef Battalion that's taking place. Let's get more on that from Susan Littlefield. Pride of the Prairie 4-H Club out of Elwood, Nebraska, is fulfilling their community service project, which they were awarded for by the governor in June, and will be serving up steaks to over 500 troops and their families at Fort Riley. Club leader Becky Cheney says the community support has been great. Soon as uh, different organizations um, heard about this community service project and that the 4-H'ers were going down to help the All-American Beef Battalion, which is an all-volunteer group of ranchers whose motto is to thank our troops one stake at a time, they just have been very, very supportive of this um, event and to support our 4 Hers, to support our local veterans. And we just want to say thank you so much to the Elwood community for all their support. The group will serve up the steak dinner at the Welcome Home Ceremony for Vietnam Vets tomorrow. And the bus departs today at 1. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Shaylee Peters. Thanks, Shaylee. Macy Whipple, the FFA Ag Instructor at Kearney High School. She's completed a STEM-based case curriculum for agri-science education training the past two weeks in Fairbanks, Alaska, on natural resources and ecology. And through a Nebraska FFA Foundation scholarship funded by the Nebraska Soybean Board and DuPont Pioneer, Macy is supplementing that STEM-based curriculum by using soybeans as a model Model, focus, and method for learning. This fall, she will be implementing this curriculum in her classroom by utilizing soybeans in various segments of the natural resources science systems. Victor Boislavsky, the executive director of the Nebraska Soybean Board, says it's a good effort for industry and a commodity board to further agricultural education in our schools. And he says the program shares the expertise of others to raise the level of agricultural education in our schools. Well, what were some of the highlights from the Ag Department's latest look at manufacturing and rural economies? 
And economist Sarah Lowe discusses USDA's rural manufacturing at a glance study and some of its pertinent listings. This is the initial rural manufacturing at a glance. It is styled after the Rural America at a glance. This report focuses on a study period of 2001 to 2015. Some of the main findings are that manufacturing is relatively more important to the rural economy than it is to the urban economy. Another big finding is that manufacturing employment varies a lot by subsector. So there's quite a bit of variation. Food manufacturing is pretty large. Textiles and apparel, which the beginning of the study period was fairly large, almost 10% of rural manufacturing is now less than 3%. Lowe says the study shows that rural manufacturing has a higher share of earnings in rural areas than does in urban areas, and with food manufacturing being the largest sub-factor in those earnings. Lots more ag news can be found at ruralradio.com, including podcasts and video. Just go to our homepage. This is the Rural Radio Network. Growing the farm at the right time. That's our topic with Jason Ladman, Director, Water Street Solutions. Jason, what can we think about when a growth opportunity comes up? Well, many farm leaders often wonder whether it's time to take on a new opportunity and grow the farm. And that might look like growing in acres or maybe something different like diversifying the operation and starting a new side venture. You know, there are many reasons the farm might consider growth. One could be that the farm might need to grow out of necessity as additional family members return which really puts more pressure on the farm to be profitable. Another could be just the entrepreneurial thirst, like wanting to start a new side opportunity that will allow for additional growth, which is beyond trying to add acres. And maybe it's just one of the long-term goals that the operator has had for the farm. And another reason growth is appealing is that there might be some previously unrealized efficiencies that could be achieved by growth, whether that is in acres or simply diversification. Because assets the farm already has like equipment or even current employees, uh, might be underutilized, which could possibly validate some type of growth. And then there is the growth that is unexpected and one day just pulls up on your driveway. Sometimes we have to be expected, expect those also. Jason, how do we know when it is the right time or opportunity? Well, that's a good question, and it's, sometimes it's hard to answer. And uh, a lot of times those answers are different depending on the farm's unique situation. But as a way to start answering that, I want to share five things for our listeners to think through when they're thinking about growth or the possibility of growth. The first thing to consider is, are we currently operating as efficiently and effectively as possible in every area of our business? Because oftentimes, a farm can make an impact in profitability just by focusing on increasing efficiency within the current operation, and that doesn't require any growth. Finding a metric for determining efficiency on your farm is a good start, and then examining new ways at working to improve what I would call less than efficient areas. Another question is, why do you want to grow your operation, and why do you want to do it right now? You see, it's good to have a clear understanding of exactly why you want to pursue growth, otherwise emotions oftentimes can get the better of us. And by asking that question, it can help us keep from falling into the trap of growth for growth sake. A third question is, how well does the new opportunity fit into our long-term goals for this operation? And this is a big one, because considering the farm's long-term goals, you need to look at the opportunity in the right light. You need to determine the level of alignment between the two, because with a new opportunity, it is very critical to understand if this will help achieve your goals or actually make it more difficult to hit your long-range goals on the farm. We're talking with Jason Ladman of Water Street Solutions. You mentioned three questions. What are a couple of others that we should take into account? Well, why do we want to pursue this particular opportunity rather than another one? 
What makes this one appear more right? You know, get clear on what makes this chance to grow the operation unique or special. And at this point, it would be my recommendation to begin numerically comparing growth opportunities, whether they're real or theoretical, to help narrow down your decision. And how much time and attention have we given to analyzing the potential return and revenue for this new opportunity? Have we been realistic in our estimates? Because we can make numbers tell us whatever we want them to. So it's my encouragement that you're objective in your evaluation. And it's important with any growth opportunity to commit to analyzing this carefully, especially when the capital requirements are large. So when you're thinking about growing your farm in some way, it can also be helpful to have the perspective of a third-party advisor who not only understands your operation, but also what's going on in ag right now. You may want to talk with our advisors here at Water Street because this is one of our core business units and we'd be happy to help. For more information, go to waterstreet.org or call 866-249-2528. You're listening to Midday on the Rural Radio Network, and it's time to check sports. Jason Jorgensen is here. Hey, thanks, Dirk. Well, one Husker who's looking to have a bounce-back season this fall is sophomore punter Caleb Lightborn. As a freshman, he struggled from time to time, and he hopes to be more consistent this time around. As far as being mentally prepared, I think that I'm just so much more prepared because I know exactly what to expect, and I I played in every game, and I know I, I've been in a lot of different situations and it's just made me more mature and made me humble and you is scheduled to work out again this afternoon for the second time in the last four years k-state is ranked in the preseason associated press top 25 as the wildcats are ranked 20th preseason top 25 is led by alabama ohio state and florida state alabama and florida state will square off against one another to kick off the season the Denver Broncos gave Paxton Lynch every chance to win the starting quarterback job, but in the end, they've decided to stick with Trevor Simeon. For a second straight year, Simeon will be the opening day starter for Denver. He was asked yesterday if he feels he can raise his level of play. I think I can. i got a long ways to go. I know I, uh, where I can get better. I also know that some of the things I do do well. So for me, I think even going back to when I came in the league, I've tried to do a good job of taking it one day at a time and, and uh, one rep at a time. And, uh, at the end of the season, I'll go back and figure out where I'm at and uh, go from there. Simeon got off to a fast start a year ago before being injured and struggling down the stretch as the Broncos missed the playoffs. Right in the thick of a wide-open AL wildcard race, the Twins will be without all-star slugger Miguel Sano for a while. The third baseman was placed on the 10-day disabled list yesterday with a stress reaction in his left shin bone. He was pulled from Saturday's game and sat out Sunday. The Nationals and Astros begin a three-game series tonight between World Series contenders, although an October showdown likely will look much different. Washington stars Bryce Harper and Max Scherzer are on the disabled list, as is Houston shortstop Carlos Correa. And Kansas City, who trails Minnesota in the wildcard chase, will start a big series tonight at home against the Rockies. That is a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. skies tonight, lows in the 50s. I'm Dave Schroeder. North Platte Police have been made aware of two kinds of counterfeit bills that are being passed at North Platte area businesses. Investigator John Deal says the first type looks like a normal bill, except that it has Chinese lettering printed on both the front and back of the bill and is known as Chinese training money. A lot of the, the normal security features of a real bill are not present as well. Um, those bills were designed as, 
as what they call Chinese training money, which apparently um, in China they use these types of bills to um, train their bank tellers on how counterfeit money uh, is inspected. The second type of fake bills are motion picture money or prop bills. They are used as props in movies by legitimate companies and have printed on them for motion picture use only in multiple areas. Two people have been arrested in North Platte for attempting to use a $100 bill at a bank to obtain change. The teller knew it was fake because it carried the designation for motion picture use only on the front of it. A woman has pleaded guilty to stealing from her employer in northeast Nebraska. 36-year-old Holly Koopman is scheduled to be sentenced on October 4th on one misdemeanor and two felony counts of theft that occurred from 2009 into 2016. The records say Koopman's already agreed to pay $100,000 in restitution to Emerson Manufacturing in Pender. Court records say she used Emerson's money to pay credit card bills and make personal purchases. Several roadways in the Kansas City area are flooded and blocked off to traffic after overnight rains pounded the region. The flooding has prompted numerous rescues of stranded motorists and others who scrambled to safety on rooftops. One woman was rescued from a tree. The National Weather Service says as much as nine inches of rain hit the region between Monday night and this morning. Two inmates who escaped after stealing a prison transport van in northwestern Oklahoma may be armed. The sheriff says two inmates overpowered transport officers early this morning and took the van. The van was later found about 13 miles away and an empty gun holster was found inside. An oil field company truck was later reported stolen in the area. Inmates were being taken by a transport company to a correctional facility in Kansas. As the severe storm season continues, remember the Weather Watch never sleeps. In the News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. Putting a face behind NAFTA. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. With the opportunity behind us to visit Mexico and learn more about NAFTA and the first round of negotiations already done, second round set to take place, in early September in Mexico. One of the stops with the U.S. Grains Council in Mexico on our NAFTA fact-finding mission was to Grupo Gromosa. This facility started out pre-NAFTA with just a couple grain bins and a bunch of dirt. Post-NAFTA, it is a thriving facility that has expanded to the point of right now they're putting together a port handling facility. Arturo Garcia is their commercial manager, and Edmundo Miranda is the director of commercials. I asked Mr. Miranda the effects of the global market on their business. For us to be uh, in a global business, or you're saying? Well, uh, well, we participate in uh, international trading because uh, we are uh, big importers. So maybe the, one of the top 10 or top 20 importers into Mexico of grains, either U.S. or uh, other countries, mainly U.S. But uh, we bring products out of uh, other countries, and we close. It. We try to get these pro- products close to the final customer, to the end user. No. Uh, I think that's the way we participate in a global market and global trading. Agramosa is importing over 78 million bushels of grain each year. 
Our main business in imports is uh, mainly grains, actually, main, main corn, uh, yellow corn. We import yellow corn of the U.S. and South America for feed industry. Uh, and uh, actually, all the, all the imports are for in feed industry. What we trade locally is for human construction, tortilla industry mainly. Now, one of the things I found refreshing during our conversation at Gramosa was their honesty about the grain quality that's coming out of the Midwest. Arturo Garcia, who is the commercial manager at Gramosa, says there is some need for improvement. Yeah, we buy uh, U.S. general corn number two, so that's what the suppliers load to us. But uh, compared versus South America, South America general corn is cleaner than United States. I mean, we cannot complain from quality from U.S. because it's under spec, okay? But it's at the right at the edge, right at the edge of the of the spec. So, what can we do? What can our traders? What can our elevators do to keep that quality at the level that you guys want? Better blendings, or not? Or not blending? Or not blending? I think uh, a good opportunity, like Arturo says, is uh, we know that uh, uh, U.S. ships under uh, the, the spec that we ask, and they they fulfill the agreement in terms of the spec, but they work on the edge. Um, most of uh, ele grain elevators in the U.S. do blending. We believe that there are some that they, they're not blending, and what we are uh, uh, hoping to continue happening is blend less because there's a other country market when they're doing the thing as good as they are or even better so i think uh, the the u.s uh, farmers need to catch up because uh, the world is uh, competing no with a unique local tie to the midwest by rail car Edmundo did say that there is a variety of different ways that they can receive grain at Gramosa, by train, by vessel, or by truck. Uh, for us, uh, it, it's a matter of opportunity and, and logistic and cost. Uh, vessel, we'll apply vessel when the, when the cost is appropriate and, and the origin are available. Uh, vessel is more seasonality and the railroad is full year. Uh, we like to have all options open uh, and we will also will always want to participate in domestic crops actually we wanted to participate more in domestic crops because we know that in any country to use what you produce it will be better for your country and also if we are importing it's because we, we don't have enough in Mexico but uh, we are open to three ways to to get grain. No? The origin of the KCS is right in the Midwest. Uh, our main supplier in the US, uh, I think 80% of their elevators are on KCS lines. Uh, obviously 20% uh, between BN and UP. But yeah, KCS is a great opportunity for us to do business because we are on KCS line as well. Arturo did say they do see the importance of NAFTA. But renegotiations have caused them to reevaluate. I mean, for many years, NAFTA has been uh, helpful, helpful for us. Uh, when we heard about renegotiation, it hurt us uh, because we know we have a deficit on on current production. On, 
we will need more corn that we use. Okay, so we need to keep importing grain, but that uh, renegotiation, re renegotiation uh, push us to find new origins. My conversation while at Gormosa in Mexico. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Back on the Rural Radio Network, let's get comments from Joe Teal at Great Plains Commodities about the livestock futures. Joe? Yeah, a pretty good day for cattle, uh, both the cattle, live cattle and the feeder cattle. Uh, some triple-digit gains uh, for the most part, uh, well, only exception really uh, the uh, nearby August uh, live cattle. Uh, but a good day. Uh, started with some short covering, and I think there's a lot of anticipation uh, that uh, Packers are going to need some cattle and uh, uh, some short covering, I think, in front of the uh, cattle on feed report on Friday, too. You haven't heard of any uh, trade uh, take place so far. Cutouts were higher at noon, and that's the first uh, time we've had that happen in several days. So uh, that, I think, encouraged uh, uh, the remainder of the day uh, with the uh, a little bit more buying and short covering uh, throughout the day. So both feeders and live cattle had a very positive day. Not so for the hogs. Once again, cash under some pressure. The uh, cutouts under a lot of pressure. Uh, that put uh, the hogs on the defensive right away, and uh, each stayed that way uh, throughout the day. The only positive was uh, uh, you'd have to go back into the deferred contracts to find anything that was a plus. So uh, uh, hogs uh, still experiencing a lot of uh, agony here uh, with uh, prices uh, plummeting uh, over the last couple of weeks. So uh, study in contrast uh, today, cattle and hogs. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. You can call him at 800 328 0134. Dewey Nelson reporting. Five local Vietnam vets have joined their local 4-H club, Pride of the Prairie, out of Elwood, in a send-off just now, headed south for Fort Riley in Junction City, Kansas. I'm Shaylee Peters on the Rural Radio Network, and here to visit with us about that is Pride of the Prairie 4-H club leader, Becky Cheney. And Becky, you're headed south as a part of a community service project. Go into more detail on that for us. Okay, well, we're so excited to be leaving today. Um, our club won an award. It's called the Governor's Agricultural Excellence Award, and we're going down to Fort Riley Army Base in uh, Junction City, Kansas. And about 28 4-H'ers will be helping the All-American Beef Battalion um, serve the troops and their families. But this special event is called the Welcome Home Ceremony, where they will be officially welcome, welcoming home 200 Vietnam veterans. Well, we came up with the idea to take our local heroes, and we are taking five Vietnam veterans from our Elwood area, and three of them are grandfathers of our 4-H kids, and we are just so excited to be taking them with us. We've chartered a bus. We'll all be traveling together um, to Kansas, and we're looking very forward to this. You mentioned that award. Give us some more information on that, Becky. Yes. 
Um, on June 26, we were honored at uh, the University of Nebraska in Lincoln um, by Governor Pete Ricketts. He was there to help present the award. Uh, it's actually called the Governor's Agricultural Excellence Award, and only, there are only so many given out to um, clubs every year, and we were singled out as one of about 25 clubs of the uh, hundreds of clubs in the state of Nebraska. So what's been the talk around this? This is a very exciting thing for a local 4-H club. Seems like something the community is very excited about as well. Yeah, as soon as different organizations um, heard about this community service project and that the 4-Hers were going down to help the All-American Beef Battalion, which is an all-volunteer group of ranchers whose motto is to thank our troops one stake at a time and to date they have thanked 350,000 troops with uh, stakes. Um, They just have been very very supportive of this um, event and to support our 4-Hers, to support our local veterans and we just want to say thank you so much to the Elwood community for all their support. Very exciting. So anything happening after you guys get back and after you just had the big send-off? So anything exciting happening once you get back, Ben? Well, I know that we'll be taking lots of photographs and some video footage. So we welcome uh, any groups that would like some of our uh, 4-H kids to give a PowerPoint presentation or any talks um, about our experience in Fort Riley because, um, you know, part of... 4-H is uh, giving back to the community, and I know that we'll have several 4-Hers that would love to come uh, give a presentation about our experience with the veterans, our experience with the All-American Beef Battalion, and we would love them to uh, get in touch with us. All right. Thanks so much, Becky. Becky Cheney, Pride of the Prairie 4-H Club leader. For more information on this story, you can visit RuralRadio.com. I'm Shaylee Peters, and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network, and we have with us John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. Does it seem that Russia is playing an important factor in this wheat market at the present time? I, you know, I think that's part of it. I, you've seen a little bit of growth in their uh, their estimates. But uh, from the people I talk to, Russia is pretty much limited on how much they can export year over year. So it adds a little number to the to the global global stocks picture. But we're still down year over year as far as how much is available from those global exporters. I think it's money flow. You know, simply wheat here just trying to find a home combined with it really uh, I, I'm kicking myself for anything it was that we had a rec- darn near record long position uh, when we were trading up near $6 on that July contract and uh, didn't really get enough get enough done and a couple of guys came in and shorted that with, with me but uh, not near as much activity as I, I needed to be doing there I think I froze with the, uh, with the rest of the group and watching Minneapolis spike towards $8 so uh, big difference between this year and last year, uh, other than uh, you know, being a little higher in price, would be the uh, the Minneapolis contract that's you know still two dollars and fifty cents higher than where uh, the the Kansas City price is. I think a year ago it was about a dollar higher. So that, that's something I think will keep the lows in. But uh, feels like maybe we've got to run down and, and put some some wheat back on LDP, which probably is worth three seventy five in that area if you factor in the basis. So uh, I'm. I'm 
bullish and hopeful here, but uh, feels like we're going to stay weak for the rest of the month. All right. Now we focus as far as the Midwest crop tour for corn and soybeans, and uh, it's not providing a lot of fodder, at least. Yeah, I haven't heard much of you. What do you, no. what do you guys hearing out of your way? I, in Ohio yesterday, I think was was a little better. South Dakota, a little worse. Um, real high interesting will be what happens in Northwest Iowa and then into uh, Illinois here, Central Illinois specifically. Um, I, doesn't feel like this market is, is trading off any new crop, though. I, I, I really doubt that the selling is coming from that. I think it's old crop hangover, and, and Bushel's trying to find a home. Uh, you know, 360, December corn, 345, it feels cheap, but we're still 35 cents above where we were a year ago at this time, and uh, it feels like we're, we're kind of following that same price pattern. So I wouldn't be shocked to see this thing down a dime, maybe even as much as 15 cents over the next eight days uh, as we, you know, put pressure on the first notice day for, for folks to want to take some of this newly found old crop corn and then i think we bounce so uh i, I followed the game plan from a year ago uh, if you're selling now i'd look to reown if you if you have bushels that are for sale i wouldn't wouldn't price them here i think you, you wait and see december back up in that uh, you know 360 370 range uh, i think it'll happen probably a couple of months from now maybe when the december contract becomes more uh more fodder as you said mm-hmm. john Payne, senior marketing analyst daniel's ag marketing in chicago